Well, joining me, the, the, the legend of lockdown as he's, as he's become. More shows than, I don't know, than the West End, definitely. It's Eddie Hearn. How are you? Well, more shows than the West End at the moment. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm good, Gareth. I'm good. Uh, it's been a while since we spoke. Um, feeling good. You know, excited a little bit by the, the challenges that have presented themselves and, and that inevitably lay ahead. Um, and, and ready to come back, you know, initially with Fight Camp and then our first show in America and fingers crossed things continue to improve and business gets back to normal and the sport gets back to normal because I think there's, you know, there's big concerns, not just for our sport, but I think for all sport at the moment as we try to come out of lockdown and bring mass gatherings back and bring live sporting events back to your screens. Yeah, well, you know, in the last couple of days, we've seen cricket come back and the ball goes to the boundary and there's no noise um, where you'd normally get 20,000 people getting excited about it. And it's going to be very similar with the boxing as well. Um, You you gambled in a brilliant way and came up with Fight Camp or Matchroom Square Garden. I can't stop calling it Matchroom Square Garden because uh, it looks like a fantastic prospect. We're 20, 20 odd days away from you beginning that. Has this been the toughest 14 weeks, if you like, of your professional career so far? Um, I think tough's a, 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 the wrong word because we're very fortunate um, to have built a business over the years that when you create a successful business, that includes you know, cash reserves, that includes um, sort of brand notoriety and the ability to weather storms like this. And that's one of the reasons that you do that, you know, to be able to, to weather these storms. So we've had family time, you know, we've had so many beautiful things that we've never really experienced in the last 10 years. So I kind of look at myself as being, as feeling lucky in that respect. And now when you go back to work, you realise that the world has changed, things have changed, and the challenges that present themselves now are very different to anything we've ever seen before. You know, the challenges of selling out um, Wembley Stadium or Madison Square Garden or uh, Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, you know, they're, they're challenges that commercially we always accept and are excited for. Here, the logistical challenge is something that we've never experienced before and we will never experience again. And I think a lot of it, the reason that I wanted to come back with Fight Camp, you know, outdoors at the headquarters is I feel like as a TV product, sport behind closed doors really lacks the energy and the drama and the intensity that you would get, like you said, at a Pack Lords or a Pack Wembley Stadium or O2. And I wanted to come back with a product that still kept boxing at the forefront of people's mind and perception in terms of the live sporting arena. And I feel like when they turn the screens on and see Fight Camp, they're going to think, this is mega. You know, this is, this is proper. And we have to focus on the things as a TV product that are intriguing about the sport. The sound of the punches landing you know, to the rib cage or to the side of the head and maybe a fighter oh, groaning when he gets one in the guts or the fighters talking to themselves during the round. Or, or the out of breath, even, we've seen. We've heard them yeah, breathing at times. The UFC yeah. have been a great example of that. You know, mm-hmm. the, the UFC fighter going back to the corner saying that his teeth have fallen out, you know, and, and that interaction between the corner team 
and the fighter, something that the hardcore fans have always loved and maybe the broadcasters have never really focused on. One of the very best ones in the first UFC back was the heavyweight taking the advice of Daniel Cormier, the commentator, and yeah. telling and them afterwards that it won him the fight because he heard the commentator's advice. Yeah, well, you'll hear all that as well. You know, it's yeah. going to be unique and intriguing initially. And then we need to revert back to type and the success of what makes sport great, you know. And, but I think, you know, with everything that we're working around the build-up to fight camp, there's, there's enough hype and enough intrigue that we've built up over the last couple of months. People saying, where is it? What's it going to look like? Wow, the fights are great. Five fights a night, you know, different. People will be tuned in and people will be engaged. And that's the key while we weather this storm. The bigger concern for the sport is how do you, you know, we're going to be the first promoters really to stage a big fight in Dillian White, Alexander Povetkin, Katie Taylor, hopefully against Delphine Pursun as well in that double header. And no one's really come back with, with events like that yet. So that's a big challenge for us because we know we don't have the revenue of the gate in the short term. The bigger challenge to the sport is as we move forward and we look at fighters like Canelo Alvarez, like Usyk Chisora, like Anthony Joshua, like Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, and say, how do we pay fighters the money they were making without the revenue of a game mm. and a crowd? And it's very, very difficult. You know, it's going to change the, the finances of the sport. It's going to change everything, pending how long we're in this situation. It's not just the revenue of the gate. It's that whole build, isn't it, where mass media comes together and the two fighters are face to face and because at the moment you know the prospect of a scrap on stage could, could totally ruin an event it would yeah. in the past but you know all those all those set pieces that add to the drama of a build-up are not possible at the moment so um just a couple of things to go over there um delphine persoon is close to being signed as Katie Taylor's opponent. It's a great sign, uh, fight to sign, because there were lots of doubts about the fight on 1st of June last year. I mean, look, we'd made the Amanda Serrano fight. She opted not to take the fight, um, which there was a lot of, you know, back and forth over. You've explained that, that she was, she'd signed and then she signed up for another reality yeah, TV show. You were quite angry about it. I blamed her and Lou DeBella blamed me for coronavirus, basically. and said, you know, you change the date. I said, well, obviously, you know, there's a force majeure within the contract, which means that we have the right to change the date. And the rescheduled date was what you were told and you didn't want to do it because you'd signed up to reality TV show. So, But isn't the fight with a, a, um, a person more compelling to oh, get yeah, people yeah. to come yeah, for that fight? Now. fight yeah. It's a great fight. Seven division world champion. Yeah. Let's be honest. You know, there are a lot of people saying, I felt, you know, Delphine Pursun nick the fight in Madison Square Garden and I think Katie's the kind of individual that until she puts that to bed it'll always sit in her mind and you know you can't write a tweet about Katie Taylor without someone commenting yeah well when's she going to rematch Delphine for soon and when the when the Amanda Serrano fight fell through she said to me well do you think Delphine for will take it you know and I think the team were a bit like you know let's let's have it right the last fight was a thriller it was a war complete toe-to-toe -to -toe war. And I think probably Katie's team sort of thought, fine, you know, for eight weeks, you know, we were training for a South Pole. But Katie was adamant and sort of said, you know, this is, 
this is what I think we need to do. We need to come back with big fights at the moment. I am approaching a stage in my career where I want career-defining fights all the time. And when you look out there for Katie, you know, the fights for our Delphine Bassoon, Amanda Serrano, which is that, that fight for me now can just disappear forever. Cecilia Breakhouse, you know, the, the catch-weight fight between two undisputed champions. At light welterweight, presumably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or 141, 142 pounds. Yeah. Um, and then the crossover fights, Cyborg, Holly Holm, you know, these kind of fights, which is something completely different. So she's all about legacy. You know, I mean, you know, Gareth, I love Katie Taylor. I just, she's, she's everything you'd want from, from a client, from a fighter, you know, in terms of honesty, integrity, and, and the, the will to win. And she deserves a lot of credit for, for stepping up in this fight. Fingers crossed we get it over the line. And, you know, it'd be massive to have a double header of White Povetkin and Taylor Serrano. Because um, the other thing about the, the, the Pasoon-Taylor uh, fight yeah, at Madison Taylor. Square Garden um, was, was that it, went, it kind of went under the radar because what happened to Anthony Joshua later yeah. in the night, in a way. Sure. So it wasn't really talked about that much. It was controversial at the time. Um, on Dillian White, who you mentioned there, have you got a potential replacement if Alexander Povetkin has problems travelling or tests COVID positive? Have you got... I know we're a long way away. We're, we're, we're six weeks away from that at the moment, aren't we? So um, are you having to look at replacements all the time for these big fights? I, I haven't yet. You know, I think that the problem is... Chisora? No, I think, you know, he's, he's focused on the Usyk fight. But I think when you talk about a pay-per-view event, you know, you are running the risk that if you can't... If, if for some reason Povetkin falls out, mm. probably the box office falls out as well, you know. And it's a huge risk. Um, there are all kinds of um, things we're putting in place from testing him, Povetkin, in camp for COVID-19 to when he arrives. You know, he may have to isolate for 14 days. We believe there'll also be exceptions and exemptions for athletes. But he's, he's fully on board with that. And, you know, if he does come for 14 days, test him when he arrives, test him on fight week. And, you know... I'm hoping, Gareth, that as the weeks go on, yeah, we just did a, a darts event today. We started back with, with our sort of live darts events and we tested 270 people and they were all negative, right? Touch with fingers crossed. So I'm hoping that it's going to be interesting to see the first weeks of fight camp. You know, we've got five fighters, so 10 fighters a night plus their corner teams. And can we make sure we get all the negative tests on there? So we're hoping by the time Dillian White um, and Alexander Povetkin come around in six weeks' time that the virus is slowly and it, it actually becomes quite rare to find someone that's testing positive rather than you know a wider scale. You've got 40 boxers, 20 fights. Hopefully they all come through positive. Statistics are that you might get one out of those. That... Sorry? Or negative. Um, the statistics are you, yeah, or the, you just don't want any positive test, you, but the statistics no, are you'll probably yeah. get one out of all of those yeah. at the moment. Yeah. That's the way it's looking. But um, just, just tell us how you, you know, it's about 20% of your stable that you put together in those. I think you've got 200 odd boxers, haven't you? Yeah, a bit um, less than that. Yeah, but... um, so you look to match make the most exciting fights that you could make for those 20 fights. I just think that, you know, when you've got no crowd, when you don't have that 
you know, packed stadium as a TV product. To put a poorly matched fight on would be disastrous, right? So I made the decision from early out that I'm not interested in putting our A-level guys against E-level guys. I'd rather put our B-level guys against B-level guys. You know, and when you look at that first card, even the prospects, you know, Dalton Smith, who's I think five and oh, he's fighting Nathan Bennett from Liverpool, who's nine and one. Mm. You know, I wouldn't make a fight like that normally. But the problem is when you start to strip it back and look at boxing, I would normally make Dalton Smith against, you know, an international opponent that we don't really know anything about. You know, and it might be poor. And, you know, the fight comes around on the night and it's poor. Everyone starts moaning on social media. So this has really given me a really good excuse to go to fighters and say, you know, a good example, Reese Bellotti against Jordan Gill. Well, Great that's fight. The, that's the first fight. fight of the night, you know. And that's the first fight at fight camp. Well, Jordan Gill was supposed to have a six-rounder. And Reese Bellotti was also supposed to have a six-rounder coming back from a defeat. But I said to them both, if you want to fight on fight camp, you got to fight each other. And they both went, all right then. And I thought, blimey, how easy was that? And that's a great, I mean, that's a, that's a lower level fight, but it's two top featherweights from Britain, but it's a complete 50-50. And it's the fifth fight on the card, mm. you know? So then you start putting all the cards together and you look at the card and you go, blimey, you know, you've got Sam Eggington against Ted Cheeseman as top of the bill. We know that's going to be a, a, a war. You've yep. got Fabio Wardley against Simon Villili. You've got James Tennyson against Gavin Gwynn for the British title. You've got Dalton Smith against Nathan Bennett. And you've got Bellotti against um, Gill. And you look at the card and you go, wow. You know, normally you do 10 fights on a card. Five of them are a waste of time. You know? But they're, 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 I say they're a waste of time. They're a waste of time to the punter. They're not a waste of time for the fighter because you're developing a career. You're, gaining, you're letting them gain experience. But a lot of the time, I don't want to put a rubbish fight on. I don't want to sit there and go, God, I paid these two blokes and this is a waste. He's, you know, I've brought this guy over, his record looked good. So, and I think this is going to be a sign of things to come. You yeah. know, and I know I always refer back to the UFC and, and Dana and stuff like that, but you can't help but admire the way that they have done things. And yes, I know they have a monopoly on the sport of boxing. And listen, maybe end up, we're in that situation of the UFC of boxing. Don't rule it out. But in the medium term, it's more about making compelling fights. We've seen top rank come back in America. You know, you have to give top rank a huge amount of credit for coming back as quickly as they can. But generally, the content's been quite poor. And the numbers have been really poor. So UFC... You think they're too one-sided, those fights that we're yeah, seeing. Yeah. But you... You, you have to make a decision. You, you know, we know that when you look at the financials of the show, if you've got a guy making big money, it's impossible to match him in a competitive fight because the opponent also needs big money. So when they put on Shekhar Stevenson in the first fight, they basically found an opponent as cheap as they could, and it was incredibly one-sided, and it was pretty boring to watch. So in that situation, those guys have just got to wait and let these young bucks or these 50-50 fights take control of fight camp until the last week and we go into White Povetkin, hopefully Taylor Pursoon, etc. Because that's good to watch. You know, been, I feel, yeah, I feel like no. I'm under big pressure at the moment because top rank have come back and then you know the ratings have been poor and then the argument is, well, what? You know, you know everyone gets on the bandwagon, Gareth, don't they? Boxing's dead. 
you know, whoa, boxing's dead, look at this. So I feel like we're not competing. I don't feel like I'm competing against top rank or Golden Boy or PBC or Frank Warren. I'm competing against other sports now in this digital space, in this broadcast space where people are trying to bring sports back. And if we don't react and we don't provide compelling sport and, and great content, we're going to slip down the roster again. I see this as an opportunity where I look at other sports where I think they will struggle. Mm. You know, that might be cricket, that might be tennis, definitely will be golf, you know, because the world is, is changing in, 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 in we live, not just economically, but in terms of fans, um, consumption, the consumption's changing. Yeah. Yes. The, way, yeah. the way people um, consume content mm. is changing and we have to be on top of that. We have to work harder on shoulder programming. You know, we have to work harder on our digital content. We have to tell the story of each individual fighter fight camp. Well, you've done that during lockdown, though, haven't you? You've become more of a media company as well in that period. Your own media company. Yeah, I just think you know, we're trying to grow the business to, you know, into a global powerhouse for the sport of boxing. You know, it, and, and you know, jokes aside, what what I said earlier is well, that's what I want to be. I want to be the UFC of boxing. Are you saying, but are you saying out of this, in your view, there is a very strong reason to think that boxing will, will really not be the same again. It will look completely different. I just think that businesses will not be the same again. You know, so if you were running a poor business, if you didn't have the cash reserves built up through successful years that you've had, if your team is not dynamic, if people haven't bounced back after having three months at home with the same passion and the same hunger, if you haven't been thinking outside the box during those periods, you may not bounce back as a business. Forget the sport. Mm. No, if all of a sudden promotional companies don't bounce back or TV companies don't react to the sport, boxing will soon be forgotten. You know, as I said to you earlier, there will always be the demand for the mega fights, always. But that's not our bread and butter stuff. Our bread and butter stuff is the 40 or 50 shows that we do globally per year, you know, creating a schedule and building up to those bigger fights and building stars and, and building great fights and storylines. And I just feel that there's going to be a lot of casualties out of this. You know, I'm talking about promotional companies that just will not be able to survive. And particularly smaller promotional companies, when we talk about maybe non-televised shows or small ball shows, I mean, they're, they're the beating heart of the sport in many respects. And it's hard enough doing a small ball show with no TV when you sell the place out. You know, try running that same show with no crowd. They can't. No, they can't. And they won't attempt to. And they they, they've all told me, I've spoken to the likes of Steve Goodwin, Kieran Farrell, all these guys, Steve Woods. They all say they're at least a year away still. Yeah, yeah. Well, still, there's a, still there's a vaccine, Eddie, basically. Yeah. But then what's going to happen then is fighters are going to leave the sport. You know, fewer fighters are going to see opportunities mm. to turn professional mm. in the first place. You know, and, and I think we, we can't go there. You know, we, we've got to bounce back. We had such huge momentum going into this. I, mean, I was about to open an office in Sydney and Berlin and Madrid and, you know, all around the world. And now it's like, whoa, but I'd, I'd rather keep the foot on the gas. You know, and say, no, no, that, that still goes ahead. But it's very difficult when you're dealing with sponsors or broadcasters who are saying, oh, you know, 
the world's changed. You know, this isn't quite the same. You're doing it behind closed doors. It's not, you know, really the same. And uh, it's, it's going to be challenging. But I, I just feel that the sport, the sport, I think there's, a, there's a, a danger to the sport, mainly because there's a danger to the businesses in the sport. You know, and that mainly comes from promotional companies, sponsors, broadcasters. And, you know, if all of a sudden the small hall scene is not existing and thriving, that would actually be a major blow at the sport. You know, sometimes the fans on the outset just see big shows, Joshua, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, we were getting to a stage where, I don't know, there was how many shows were there every Saturday night? Five, six, ten? In the UK. Nationwide. Yeah, just yeah, in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so there were so many opportunities for fighters. I, I, I really hope that the small hall scene can find a way to, to thrive and survive. But yeah, you, you know, seeing it this year is going to be unlikely. Um, before I ask you about those very big fights, um, you, Dillian gave some brilliant interviews last week, by the way, from Portugal, I thought, where he, I've, there's more clarity from him than I think we've ever seen. Um, he's developed his patience. When he fights uh, uh, Sasha Povetkin, it'll be a thousand days he's been waiting to fight for the WBC title, I think it is. Um, he made the point that he's almost wanted to divorce you at times because he doesn't know if you're defending Joshua's situation or his. And it was very well put. I don't know if you watched the interview with him, but it was very well put. It was organised by your team. Um, and he also said, look at me, I'm prepared to fight behind closed doors. I'll have two if I have to. Um, you've also come out, two things about that. You've come out and said, I want him to get his WBC shot if he beats Sasha Povetkin. But also, he made the point that um, maybe the very big names need to start thinking about how they fight behind closed doors if it doesn't change. Well, I think Dillian White is a pure fighter. And I think the fans love him for that. You know, it's definitely going to be challenging. When we talk about challenging from a, from a promoter's point of view, it's also going to be challenging from a fighter's point of view as well, fighting behind closed doors. I asked Tony Bellew about this and he said, Ed, those big boys, once the punches start raining down, mate, you'll soon switch off. You know, it's not going to be, you're not going to get yourself up for it. But when we talk about Dillian White's situation, you know, I'm in a situation where the whole world wants to see AJ against Tyson Fury, right? It's the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. But on the other hand, people also want to see Dillian White get what, get what he deserves. And I've made it very clear that I believe that Dillian White's shot should come before Anthony Joshua's undisputed fight. And, you know, so either against Deontay or against Tyson. Or if Deontay doesn't make it in the ring against Tyson Fury, straight away. Oh, you, so he, he supersedes oh, I um, think, look, Fury and Joshua. Mandatory, mandatory has to happen by the end of February, Dillian White. If he can beat well, in spite of being, us being out for four months. Because that fight it hasn't really changed anything. You know, would there be a delay after? But AJ's going to fight in November. So he's not going to fight again until next summer. And we have our doubts whether Deontay Wilder will even step into the ring and take the fight with Tyson Fury. We haven't heard a great deal from him. But, you know, there's a lot of people who try to... You know, say, oh, Eddie Hearn, you know, he's not sticking up for Dillian White. Let me tell you, when Dillian White had his issue with UCAD, and I knew he was innocent, and no one believed him, right? I was that one who had to come out under confidentiality and face all the media 
and back him. While and he wasn't talking. <laughs> no, but he, yeah, because he couldn't. Yeah, right? he couldn't, and, yeah. and put myself mm. and my name on the line and back him because I believed in him. And when he was found innocent, no one really turned around and went, oh, you know, oh, you were right, Eddie. You know, fair play, all right. So we backed him to the hills. And not just in that situation, in the WBC situation. He's been on numerous court conference calls, numerous correspondence, legal correspondence to the WBC. We've all been doing our thing. It's been extremely frustrating. But there hasn't been anything that I've done with AJ that has changed that WBC situation. Where he's been punished from the WBC is Fury against Wilder has been made in a two-fight deal, and it was a big fight. And that governing body, quite frankly, wanted to do that fight. And when they want to do a fight, they generally let it happen. But now we've got to a stage where they delayed him for one year due to that UCAD situation. And he was found completely innocent, but they still delayed him. And that's when we talk about, wouldn't we delay it a couple more months because of, no. Mm. You know, so from my point of view, I don't want to take the eye off Povetkin too much. You know, we saw Anthony Joshua take the eye off Ruiz when everyone was talking about the Wilder fight. So focus on Povetkin, get him beat, and we will do everything we can to ensure that he gets what he deserves. And that is a shot at the world title. In my view, Povetkin's dangerous for the first four rounds. Very yeah, dangerous for four or five goes. rounds, you know. Actually, it's going to be thrilling, Garrett, in that. No, no, I agree. Good fight. You know, it's like... Both left hookers. They're both left hookers. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Absolutely. No, can't wait for that. Really, really excited about it. But I'm also excited about uh, Fury Wilder 3. Fury and and White. White and Wilder. Joshua and and White. Joshua. I mean, there's so many great fights in the heavyweight division. I I throw in that, you know, are there heavyweights of... Alexander Usyk, you know, totally. Derek Chisora, um, Hergovic, Joseph Parker, yeah. you know, Skassiev. I uh, think we manage about nine out of ten of those. Holy, you know, I mean, there's, there's some fantastic heavyweight, and I always forget some of them. But it's like, not literally, just when I'm, when I'm reciting them. So, but it, it's such a great time for the division and the sport. And I, I think the good thing about what we've been through over the last couple of months is a real realization that we've got to get our act together and give people what they want. You know, and when you're under pressure in terms of providing value to fighters and, and broadcasters, it's a lot easier. I think, I think you, know, you understand, Gary, a lot of the time, I want, you know, I want to make the biggest fights, but you deal with a manager or an agent or a lawyer or a trainer. You know, and a lot of the time, these guys want as much money as possible for the easiest fight possible, right? And, and to be honest with you, I've been letting them get away with it for too long. And now I have an excuse. No, sorry, mate. I mean, everyone's using this as an excuse in business, aren't they? The amount of people I've spoke to on the phone, Eddie, I'm really sorry, mate. You know, phew, it's Corona. So I'm going to use that excuse as well, Gary. Look, you know? a couple of things to clear up. You say Joshua in November. Is that still in the UK or are you going to take absolutely, it abroad? Absolutely. And I'm hopeful. You know, my dad's been working hard with the government in terms of trying to come up with solutions to bringing Gates back. Now, we hope that the World Snooker Championship at the Crucible, which seems like a very sensible idea and, and solution to do an almost a test in that kind of environment. That's in August, isn't it? The yeah, final. End, of July, end of July through to sort of middle of August. Yeah. We'll have 
three or four hundred in attendance, you know. Um, and then we move to the next phase. Is it a percentage of capacity? Is it a, a maximum amount of people? And I'm very confident that by the time that November comes around, we can start returning to arenas, you know, even potentially with a full capacity for a Joshua Pulev fight. You know, I think the idea of a stadium is unlikely this side of the year. But at the moment, we are full steam ahead for AJ against Pulev in November back in an arena in the UK. So if that fight can take place in an arena in the UK, just finally on this, on the very big fight, on the biggest fight in British boxing history then, let's say Fury-Joshua does happen next year, or even um, White and Fury be huge as well, does that go to the Middle East in your view? I think that there's two fights. You know, if we're talking about White, sorry, Fury and AJ, that would be a two-fight deal. I think it would be extremely disappointing if we didn't see at least one of those in the UK. Good. The problem is, Gareth, when we go back to that same conversation of managers and lawyers and advisors and trainers, let me put it like this to you. And, and, and you know, these, these figures are plucked out of the sky, but the, the disparity in the mind. If you go to a fighter and you say, I will give you £50 million to fight in London, which, to be honest with you, you should do. The two Brits, you know, or I will give you £100 million to fight in Saudi Arabia, you can't just expect people on Twitter to go, well, they've got enough money anyway. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It mm. doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that. I'm not saying it's out of greed, but these guys are putting their life on the line for the biggest moment in their career that they've ever worked towards. But the oldest saying in boxing, Eddie, it's a sport, but it's more than that, it's a business. And that's what you're talking about. It's about the business there. And so. I, I, Yes, I hate saying that. But it's true. I, I love this sport. And it, for me, despite what people might think, it's not about just about the money. Mm. It's about the love for the sport. And for me, the greatest sport of all. But we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't maximise the earnings of these warriors that are going in. Let's, let's, just, let's just strip this back and have it right. We sit there, right? Might have a pint on the go. Might be watching a bit of TV with a slice of pizza watching two individuals go into a ring and have a fight. And we're not talking about two, just two, any, any ordinary individuals. We're talking about two six foot nine, six foot eight, 18 stone, heavyweight world champions going into the ring in a fight where they could walk out those ropes, not the same person again. And in some instances, maybe not even walk out of those ropes again. We can't be naive enough just to go, oh, come on, mate. You know, and I'm not saying that fight fans are irrelevant. I'm a Brit. Yuri's a Brit. AJ's a Brit. We'd all love this fight to take place in the UK. Trust me. But we can't ignore the opportunities that are out there for these guys. And, and I wouldn't be doing my job. You know, I don't think I would get a client if I started turning around to people saying, sorry, mate, you've got to take half the money because everyone wants it here. I'm going to get told to get out of town. You know, so hand on heart, Britain, I'd love to stage Fury against Joshua. And, and listen, I'm not ruling it out. But what I'm telling you is there is a huge amount of interest for the biggest fight in the world, undisputed heavyweight world championship. And I'm really sorry, but I do have to do my job and explore those opportunities, not just even for my client. By the way, there's two, there's two clients, you know, clients, two fighters in this. My client, Anthony Joshua, 
You think Tyson Fury's going to take half the money to do fight in England? He hasn't boxed in England for six fights, has he, or something like that? You know, four, four fights, five fights, well, including the, the including the WWE fight oh, in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah five, yeah, five. Yeah. But he's, you know, it, it's 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 a tough one. It's a tough one, and you can't win. That's the truth. Um, you must be delighted to see DAZN announcing they're going global very soon with their plans after the lockdown. Obviously, you've got a, a huge um, commitment with them. Just two final things. Um, um, what have you planned beyond August? Because I'm sure you've got plans. I don't need you to reveal anything, um, but I'm sure you're planning more shows. And also, does the old man, Barry Hearn, even though he's over 70 with heart problems... Well, not problems, but he had a heart condition, like me. Does he get to go to the, the big shows in the garden? I've been winding him up constantly, saying, you know you're not allowed him to fight me. I've got a story in the Telegraph to wind my gaff. Of course I'm going. But actually, the way that it works is now, is there's going to be an area of fight camp where you, everybody in that area has to be tested. And then there'll be you know, people beyond that area that don't have to be tested. I think it's 3.5 or 4 metres or whatever it is from, from the ring. So we may be able to squeeze him in and maybe we'll let him watch from a window in the house or something like that. But I'm going to take... Well, even out. though it was his house once, he owns uh, it, he owns the company, he runs the company. We have to follow and- the protocol, Gareth. That's what I keep telling him. He's just, you know, I'm enjoying winding him up on it. But in terms of plans beyond fight camp, um, in September, we'll be back with Joshua Boatsy. And in America, I mean, a fight that has caught everybody's ima- imagination is Ryan Garcia against Luke Campbell. Totally. I mean, that went nutty on social media. And I really hope we can get that fight. We've got Devin Haney fighting end of September, early October. We've got um, Juan Estrada against Chocolatito, unification match. Great fight. Great um, fight. Yeah. Second fight. Yeah. Joe Saunders to, to schedule. We've got Callum Smith to schedule. We've got Demetrius Andre to schedule. We've got Usyk Chizora to schedule. We've got Joshua against Pulev to schedule. We've got Ritson against Vasquez. We've got Selby against Cambosas. Don't ask me how we're going to do it, but we'll find a way. So you're not going to, you know, I really feel like content wise, Fight fans are in a good place. You know, we just got to try and get back to normal. And it's going to take some time. But in, in the meantime, we have something in fight camp that fans can really get their teeth into. Oh, sorry, you prompted me to ask another question now because it's been out there on social media. There's been no confirmation of it all yet from anyone. Is Billy Joe Saunders and Canelo now off for the time being? To be honest, I think, you know, Billy wasn't really ruling himself out in terms of turning down an offer. We had agreed terms for the Cinco de Mayo fight, but obviously with everything that happened, um, there was no uh, force majeure in that contract to just for that to carry on. So the deal evaporated. And in this environment, Canelo is not going to be looking to spend the kind of money on an opponent that he was going to give Billy Joe Saunders. So the truth is, Saunders was out of the running, to be honest with you. And I think he just said, look, just so you know, I'm not, in for this fight, I'm going to go and you know get myself ready, and I'm not taking less money, and blah blah blah. So, I think fighters at the moment are really looking at if you if you want to fight in the meantime on a new deal, perhaps because there's no gate, you can go now. If you want to wait till your contracted deal can take place, i.e., crowds are back, you can do that as well. I think what Dillian White's saying is, no, I'm I'm ready to go. I don't want to sit on the sideline. 
know, same with Katie Taylor. If she fights Bassoon, she's probably not going to make the money she wanted to make for that fight. She she wants to fight and she's about legacy. But there will be some fighters that say, no, 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 I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait for the crowds to come back. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's a risky business because people who are jumping in now, people who are making a name for themselves are going to get great momentum. And now's the time to grab the attention, I'll tell you. Brilliant, Teddy. Thank you very much. It's brilliant to catch up with you and cover all those things. Okay, mate. Take care, sir.